This is Reverend Billy. Come on into the earth. Church, you're welcome here. I hope that you're having a good day wherever you are in the world. We are proud to have offered you 48 consecutive weekly Stop Shopping Earth Church services and hope that you've enjoyed them. We'd like to take a week off now. Is that all right? With your permission. Now we have something to offer you instead, and that is one of our favorite oldies, number 17. Show number 17 took place last summer during Black Lives Matter, and the name of that show is Extinction and the Urban Hipster. It does not mention this 29-minute gem, does not mention Donald Trump. I can promise you that. <laughs> All right. Will somebody give me an earth hallelujah here today? Hello, I'm Reverend Billy, and this is the Church of Stop Shopping, and this is the sixth extinction. We're losing life. Species of life are disappearing at thousands of times the rate that they would if the Earth was going forward with her natural evolution. So hang on. Oh, you disappeared. Wild animals. It's here. Oh, but I'm worried. I just don't know. you 
Hi, I'm Savitri D. Welcome to News from the Natural World. Aritana Yawalapati, chief of chiefs and revered indigenous leader in Brazil, has died at 71. Known for his quiet dignity, he dedicated himself to protecting the environment and promoting the health of his people. He died of the coronavirus. As a young man, Mr. Yawalapati helped create the 6.5 million acre Zingu indigenous land reserve. His death is a major blow to the tribe because he was one of only three elders to speak his native language fluently. Organic diets quickly reduce the amount of glyphosate in people's bodies. A new study found levels of the widespread herbicide and its breakdown products reduced on average more than 70% in both adults and children after just six days of eating organic food. Glyphosate is the most widely used herbicide in the world and is the major ingredient in Roundup. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has opened India's most ecologically sensitive forests to create 40 new coal fields. The coal industry in India is state-owned, but this auction of 40 new coal blocks will see the creation of a privatized commercial coal sector in India for the first time. Among the sales are four huge blocks of Hasdeo Aran's 420,000 acres of forest in the central Indian state of Chhattisgarh which sit above an estimated 5 billion tons of coal. Hasdeo Aran is a rich and biodiverse Indian forest, home to indigenous people, ancient trees, elephants, and sloths. Research has determined that locusts can smell explosives and determine where the smells originated, an important step in engineering cyborg bomb-sniffing locusts. Nearly 40 years of satellite data from Greenland shows that glaciers on the island have shrunk so much that even if global warming were to stop today, the ice sheet would continue shrinking. Current simulation of future conditions indicate that the entire Arctic region may become sea ice free by 2035. And the highest temperature ever recorded on Earth may have been reached in Death Valley, California on Saturday. Temperatures rose to 130 degrees Fahrenheit, or 54.4 degrees Celsius. Thank you so much. And the message today is imagining the good. Trying to get a, that kind of imagination going where we're thinking of good things, good results. Boy, that's radical, isn't it? You know, if it's not a sentimental Hallmark card, but it's real good. <laughs> that's radical good. Because things have gotten that bad. First of all, let's ask ourselves, let's find the good where it is right in front of us. Let's ask ourselves that question. And the answer to that question is Black Lives Matter. This is love. This is anger. This is community. All kinds of us making quick, deep relationships, strangers meeting strangers, marching together, shouting together. That instant community, I believe, is what makes it such a pleasure, a jolt of electricity when we hear about a community uprising, a standing rock, an Occupy Wall Street, you know, the Women's March, Parkland, 
we have suddenly a collection of people who are making quick, deep friendships. They are comrades right away. And that trust puts a kind of electricity in the air, and it goes out across the mountains and valleys, across the ocean. A couple days after George Floyd's murder, there were rallies in London and across the world. So there's good right where we just rallied. There's good right here. We don't have to get abstract and full of isms and talk about potential years from now. We don't have time for that. We have such an emergency. No, it's happening right here. Black Lives Matter has gone everywhere in time and space, impacting the presidential election. People are taking what they learn from BLM in their bodies into back into their everyday lives, finding how their contracts with insurance companies, how their walk through their own neighborhood, how they connect language-wise with their best friends. All of that is now being reviewed. We're finding the racism, systemic racism, in the ordinary. So Black Lives Matter is what we have to have for life itself. Now, all these people are saying blue lives matter and so forth, all life matters. That, that's, we're dangerously close to something that is used as a pretext for racism. The earth simply is in a state of extinction, and we have to develop ways to make communities for the earth to combat climate violence and extinction, which is, of course, racial in its victimization. Not just the global south, we always hear that about climate change, but just this city I live in, New York City, you can come up with examples immediately. The cancer-producing pesticides are sprayed on the poorer parks. And that goes into the neighborhoods around the poorer parks and the waste dumps and the refineries and the plastics factories. And the, the, this is all uh, victimizing black and brown people, working poor. This is also justice here locally, but it's justice universally the idea that we have the right to live and that the we includes the earth. The earth has the right to live. The earth needs to find a way to evolve through this sixth extinction. So our earth activism, we have to refine it. We had a great march with Greta Thunberg last September, but those individual marches where that magical instant community that gives us that rush of recognition, oh yes, yes, now we're being human beings, that nomadic family on the savannah. Oh, yes. Now we're being the revolution that rose up against the monarchy. We have many histories and memories that come into us, and it's a pleasurable thing. The first time I heard about Black Lives Matter in Ferguson, the first time I heard about Standing Rock. Do you remember that jolt of pleasure? That deja vu of justice, of liberation? Got to find that now for the earth. The ecosystem that we were supposed to be. The family that we were supposed to be. The defeat of the guns. The defeat of the pixels. The strength of our togetherness. That jolt of love. That many peopled, all of us together, saying that life is good. 
deserves to survive. Earth hallelujah. The earth speaks to us about this. The earth, last week, we had a pandemic across the country, a wildfire, a significantly huge wildfire in California. And then on the East Coast, we had a hurricane that went all the way from Georgia to Boston. Well, what is the earth saying to us? The earth culture, indigenous people, the African-American people who came here under duress, violently forced the slaughtered native people who the first nations people of all of all the earth cultures they have they have a common prophecy and a common a common feeling that they share about the great spirit our clumsy translation and they always say when they finally get around to responding to our entreaty and they can overcome their their boredom of having to teach us, they always say the earth speaks and that we need to address the earth through our ancestors and through the seven generations back past birth as well, that river of time. That holds that pleasure for us. That holds that signal for us. earth alleluia earth alleluia we have a kind of radicalism to discover now. And the environmental movement has not shown us that radicalism. It has not shown us that community because they are imitating the corporations which are that oppressor. So they have CEOs that make a million dollars a year. They're crunching numbers all the time. They're sitting at desks with computers. And they have wonderful people in those Sierra clubs. They have wonderful people inside that get away to the natural world. But their attitude is colonializing. It's let's save the world. Litigation and lobbying. Legislation that's too late, too little. We have the earth speaking to us. And we have an apocalyptic kind of ecology. The Greek kind of apocalyptic, the revealing, the shaking up kind of ecology, the apocalyptic ecology. A lot of little Greek syllables there. We have a journey into the other that is so thorough that we become the other and stop having a guilty relationship with the United States and just leave and come back home. Come back home to our USA neighborhood. We've got 12 American flags within 100 feet of our front door here in Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. We've got a job to do. Go out into that ecosystem. Go out into that cloud bank, that superstorm. Go into that disease. Come back home healthy and safe and have the guts to sing to our neighbors the songs that come to us from the earth. Earth, hallelujah. There is a way to do this. Right now, the earth is moving on without us, and they, she, the multiple genders of the earth, well, they should do that. We're not going to save the earth, but we might have a chance of having that natural world be in us, becoming the natural world that we are. We have the earth inside of us. Said that so many times on the Reverend Billy Radio Show. That's, that's, ooh, that's basic to this ministry this post-Christian ministry. We have the earth inside of us with the instruction manual for making community in us. How do you make an ecosystem that's working? It's 
in us, thousands upon thousands of living beings within us. Earthalluia, Earthalluia, let's build over the coming weeks. And I'm not going all the way to the answers right now, but working together in community, the answers will come up in our bodies, recognizing that pleasure, the jolt of community, that radically pleasurable feeling of being together. The nomadic family on the savannah in the rainforest, floating over the coral reef, up in the alpine meadow, on the high plains, up on the mountain, joining life as it returns to some of these ecosystems that are mostly dead now, losing hundreds of species every week. The apocalyptic ecology. Let's go there together, that journey. Earthalluia. Earth, somebody give me an Earthalluia. I always come back to forests, I don't know why. I live in the center of 25 million people. I had some forests around me when I was a kid in the Midwest. Maybe that's it. That was decades ago. There's a park near my house. It has a forest. Old, old trees. I go in there, I sit down on the roots, and I look back at my life and then at my family and my my business and my neighbors and the rumors and the illnesses and the orgasms and the freeways and the skyscrapers. I look back at it all and have this distance. It's a good distance. I don't know where it comes from. I wouldn't claim that I'm sitting back there in my childhood anymore. I think it has something to do with the fact that it's that it that it's that it's a forest. It's a forest. And if if I had ten thousand little microphones all over my body, every microphone would be carrying another tune because if you're immersed in a forest, there's life everywhere. And that, I think, gives me a distance. Sometimes I have to sit there for a long time. Sometimes until I almost have to freeze to death in the winter. But it comes to me. The forest comes to me. Some, some, something. The waves of music from all the life around me. Even when it's snowing, even when it's dark, I need that distance on that city. I don't even understand the d distance. I don't have to. Maybe that's the point. Maybe I'm not supposed to.
through the trees. To say that we um, are in the sixth extinction is obviously a, a, a pretty serious claim to make. Um, and the reason that we're in the sixth, and some experts would say, well, we're just at the verge of it. We could still prevent an extinction event. And some other scientists would say we're pretty deep into this one already, um, is that we're changing the world very, very radically. And we're doing it very, very quickly. So not unlike an asteroid. Um, and in fact, you will hear, and I have heard scientists say, uh, this time around, we, i.e. human beings, we, we are the asteroid. So how, how are we doing this? How are we changing the world um, on an asteroid-like scale? There, there are actually, unfortunately, a number of ways. Um, but this evening, I'm, I'm just going to uh, talk briefly about three of them that, for various reasons, seem to be the most significant. And... One is how we're changing the atmosphere, uh, how we're changing the oceans, and how we're changing what Darwin called uh, the principles of geographical distribution. So we'll start with our atmosphere, good place to start. Every, every year, um, we human beings add on the order of 10 billion metric tons of carbon to the atmosphere. And that is coming, for the most part, from burning fossil fuels. And you all know this, so I, I'm not going to belabor it. You know, we, we drive our cars, uh, we turn on our lights, and there are now almost 7.3 billion people on the planet, so it, it pretty quickly adds up. And what we're doing when we uh, burn fossil fuels is that we're taking carbon that was buried under the earth, uh, underground, over the course of hundreds of millions of years, and we are transferring it back up into the atmosphere. Um, so we are, we're basically running geological history backwards and at a very high speed. So we're taking a process that took hundreds of millions of years to run in one direction, and we are running it in the other direction in a matter of centuries. And if you were an alien and you came down to Earth, you could quite possibly conclude that what, that what we're doing, that the primary you know, purpose of our modern society is to effect this transfer as quickly as possible. Um, to see how much carbon we can uh, dig out of the ground or pump out of the ground and, how, and put into the air and how fast we can do it. Tired feet, 
Yes, now time for thank yous and goodbyes. We started with the Church of Stop Shopping Gospel Choir at the top of the show, Nehemiah Luckett, our music director. We adapted a classic gospel tune, Like a Ship Without a Sail, from Reverend T.L. Barrett and his Youth in Christ Gospel Choir from Chicago. And we adapted it into uh, the human blues, a song about extinction, like a ship without a sail, and a song without extinction. It sounds like we're working the same theme there. News from the Natural World was brought to us by Savitri D, who is the director of the Church of Stop Shopping. My sermon, The Jolt of Recognition. You know, I take the opportunity to thank one of my teachers. I'd like to thank a very important one today, Charles Gaines, my first writing instructor. Thank you, Charles. And then that jazzier sounding thing with the lonely saxophone and the images from Wintertime in the Forest. That would be the Fiery Eagles of Justice, Brendan Burke on drums, Jason Candler on that saxophone. He's also the producer of this whole half hour. Thank you, Jason. Elizabeth Colbert speaking to us from a gathering in Oregon. She's the author of The Sixth Extinction, won the Pulitzer Prize for it. Wonderful book. And Miss Colbert wrote a piece about us for a local magazine called The New Yorker. I'd like to thank the Pantheon Podcasts for putting us out to 50 different podcast networks around the world. Thank you for taking the faith out to the people. And we're going to start thanking a single radio station at each of our half-hour shows. We're going to kick this off by thanking W. R.W.K. of Richmond, Virginia, D.J. Strider. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And Neil Young, thank you for the support. A couple of years working together at the Neil Young Archives, the community of artists and journalists and musicians. And I thank you, Neil. And now we come to the end of our, of our thank yous. We uh, enjoy this a lot. How can you enjoy meditating on our extinction. I think that maybe enjoying living might have something to do with surviving. Am I right? I think, Earthalia, I think that's maybe our message today. We'll see you next week. This is Reverend Billy signing off. Earthalia. Earthalia.